Hello and thank you for joining me on episode 41 of What Do You Know For Sure podcast. Today I'm joined by Mary Damer. I've known Mary for a few years. She works in all things communication and writing and our paths have crossed in a couple of different ways and I really didn't have any expectation of what Mary was going to know for sure. And she did kick off with talking about ageing not being as bad as you think, which I have to say I totally resonate with. But we've quickly moved on to this being a podcast about the environment and about how we have to act now and we all almost have to do our own wee bit to ensure that that happens. Mary is an ageing punk rocker. She's rebellious. She likes to agitate. So we've got hunters in common. And this was a, a fantastic conversation. But let me understand Mary a wee bit more. I hope that you enjoy it. Mary, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Oh, I'm so delighted to be here. So delighted to be asked if there's anything I know about anything. Oh, great. I know. And it's lovely to see your face again because it's been a few years even before. Yeah, this face was once um, felt and skinny, but then lockdown happened and so did home baking. So, hey, <laughs> Good who times. cares? Good times. Tell us a wee bit about you, Mary. Uh, probably the thing that I always say to people that they should know about me is that I'm an ageing punk rocker. Mm-hmm. That there's part of this nearly 57-year-old woman who remains forever the 15 or 16-year-old um, would-be rebel from the west of Glasgow who was madly into the punk rock movement, even though I was quite young at the time when it kind of broke. But that has stayed with me in the sense that I'm a bit of a rebellious person. I don't really like the rules. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, that is by no means the only thing about me, but I'm definitely somebody who's in a wee bit of provocation and I I need that in my business. People who don't know me wouldn't know that I run a communications and media business in Glasgow and I support clients to help them work out exactly what they're trying to say about themselves and to say it with a bit more energy and personality. Mm-hmm. And I find that having a bit of old punk rock in is pretty good for that because there's some provocation in it. There's a bit of needle in the nicest way, you know, a bit of challenging people to change how they think and to understand that perhaps the way they're talking is not understood by other people. Yeah. Um, so, so punk rock and communication... Um, Bizarrely, I'm an ex-photographer, I was a trained photographer, and in a funny way, I still say to people that I still, all of my work is visual, you know, I still see things in my head, which sounds a bit strange for somebody who's involved in the world of words. Mm-hmm. Uh, so punk rock, photography and communication, that's probably the main things you need to know. Perfect, I love it, I love it. And have you decided yet to tell, because I know you were thinking, what do you know for sure when I first asked you? So today, Mary, what do you know for sure? Well, I was sort of swithering about the the one thing I've banged on about in the last few years that I know for sure is that ageing is not as bad as you think mm. and that actually ageing is really good. But I think I've bored myself with that now. Uh-huh. Um, so the thing that I feel at the moment that I know for sure in life is that we have to change, that mm. the way we live, all of us, every single one of us has to change if we have got any hope whatsoever of saving the planet and the resources of the planet and the way life is that we simply have to change, which sounds very kind of tub thumping and not very punk rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in a funny way, it's the ultimate punk rock. You know, we've got no choice now. We've got to kick the walls down and change. Yeah. And is that urgency to change something that you've carried through your life or is it just something that's about the environment, about this time that we're living in? 
Um, that's, that's a great question. I, I think I've probably always been somebody that's wanted change. I've wanted people to behave better and, and differently. I've always mm-hmm. been somebody that's been a bit disappointed by structures and bureaucracies and rules. So, so yeah, I've probably always wanted change. But the environmental imperative for me is just critical now. I mean, it's not about discussing this anymore. There's the time for discussion persists in the, in the sense that we've got we need policy to change things but but action matters now so um, I'm definitely thinking that the more I've understood about the climate crisis and the environment environmental pressure that we're under we just have to do things differently and there's no more discussion about it we've just got to get on with it. Have you got concerns because just now it feels like the climate conversations we were having this time last year you know were, were loads and it was all happening and COP26 was coming to Glasgow and everything was happening then pandemic has changed a lot of aspects of a lot of people's lives obviously but the climate has really fallen down the headlines hasn't it does that worry you Absolutely. And, and, you know, I'm speaking as a former broadcast journalist. You know, I, I worked for many years at the BBC, so I understand how the agenda can quite quickly get shifted. And I do understand that the pressure to cover the pandemic and it, all its glory is ever present but the climate isn't changing and and from what I've read the recent evidence is suggesting that even though we've had fewer airplanes fewer cars uh, on the road less manufacturing that still we're pumping so much crap into the air that the the impact is very uh, very little Mm-hmm. So, so yes, it does concern me that climate concerns has dropped off the radar, but not completely dropped. And I see some green shoots of recovery, excuse the pun, you know, mm-hmm. but the, the, the media are beginning to start to talk about the environment in a way which has to be persistent now. Mm-hmm. And see that agenda that you're talking about, I'm maybe taking us off at a tangent, but see that agenda that the news media have to follow. Do you feel frustrated by the fact that it's the agenda of particular I suppose news outlets to decide what it is that we hear about so actually the information isn't even though we've got the internet even though you could find out literally anything it's not as easy to find information about the things that are important to you in this climate we're in where it's just everything's about covid and about the 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 narrative that we they want to feed to us as opposed to the narrative we necessarily want to hear what are your thoughts on that Oh, my thoughts on that are super complicated, uh, mm. which I'll try and make simple and understandable because that's what I do for a living, of course. So if I can't do this, then that's me buggered. Um, what I think is that, and I always say this to my clients when I'm giving them advice about handling the media, is that we um, are not able to control the agenda of the media. Mm. We might like to think that we can. So a client, for example, I, I work with people involved in child protection. So they they have a set of messages that they want to get out there, of course, but they perhaps don't understand that those might not be the messages that are inherent in a particular story. Mm-hmm. You know, so say a child's been killed at the hand of his or her parents, um, that's what the media are interested in is, you know, how evil people can do that to their children, not about all the reasons that might have happened beforehand. Yeah. Having said that, um, the pandemic has rapidly changed the media and will continue to do so in the sense that if you think about it, in the last year, we've heard far more ordinary voices, mm. people using Zoom calls, um, not just virologists and public health specialists, but people talking about their concerns. So there are there are some avenues where the subjects which we as the wider community, i.e. not the media community, mm-hmm. um, might have struggled to get some attention before. I think that's changing. But, 
But in short, I don't think that we really are able to influence the media that much uh, as individuals and communities, but that but that the pandemic might have forced some change. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, we're talking again, I've taken us off at a tangent, but yet again, we're coming back to change, aren't we? And it's that inherent thing that just runs through the world, isn't it? There's some people that hate change. There's some people that love change. The reality is everything's going to keep changing anyway. And nothing stays the same. When you look back at your life, at your 57 years, what do you reflect on as being the biggest changes in your lifetime? Whether that be in your life or indeed in the world that you've had to adapt yourself to. Oh, I mean, there's so many, isn't there? I mean, there's there's things from that moment when you realise that you're independent financially. Mm. I say that laughingly, you know, when you're still getting a, a loan from your parents to help you pay your first couple of mortgage uh-huh. down payments. Um, there's there's the realising that age 39 and a half that you're, you're about to have your first baby and actually your life is going to change whether you like it or not. <laughs> there's the having the baby and you understanding that you really knew nothing before that, you knew nothing about anything and that, that, that your life is changing in ways that you couldn't really have foreseen despite the, you know, wall-to-wall information about parenthood that's around. Um, There's having a teenager, uh, isn't there, Mary, and realising yeah. that you definitely know nothing because they tell you that. <laughs> they tell you that on a constant basis, but I resist that. Um, and I mean, I, I resist being told by a teenager that I know nothing and that, I'm, and that actually he's much cleverer than me. And I think, well, really, some, you know, time will tell. Uh-huh. But I think maybe one of the biggest changes that happened for me, and this relates to what I was talking before about ageing, is that there's something about, has been for me anyway, about reaching a certain point in my life. Um, sort of late 40s, early 50s, I think, where I just kind of thought, you know what, I'm all right. Mm. I'm just fine. I'm absolutely fine. I've got all my faults and my foibles, but I'm really fine. I, I'm a decent person who likes to do well by other people and I don't need to put up with bollocks anymore. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, I just, I always reflect on that and wish that there was some way for women in particular that you could come to that realisation when you're younger. Because mm. it would help you with all that sort of self-doubt that you have and the, the worry about yourself and the anxieties, which looking back, quite honestly, feel really trivial somewhere. <laughs> this is so interesting because I was recording a podcast last week with Jane Wright, who I think that you know as well. I do. And she was saying exactly the same thing. At a similar age to you, 55, wouldn't it be great if you had that wisdom that, that you've got now, if you could take that back to your 20s and have more faith in yourself and not be worried about what other people think and all the same? And even if it's not wisdom, I mean, I don't know, I would think of myself a particularly wise person, but I'm a great believer in a bit less not giving a shit, you know, I I just Mm. wish I hadn't given a shit about some of the things that I expended so much energy on, caring about things that I couldn't change, or I think because I'm a person who, like I've said earlier, challenges bureaucracy and rules, you know, I would be constantly headbutting, trying to change things to make them better failing to understand that there are a lot of people that don't have the same set of values as me or just don't care you know don't care enough and just wasted decades worth of energy trying to affect change whereas now I can I can affect change in my own way through uh-huh. the work that I do or through influencing people uh, and just caring a bit less caring caring more about things that matter to me and less about things that are just energy sapping yeah. uh, and pointless Aye, and there's a great wisdom in that, isn't there, knowing what you can change? You know, there's the co-accepting what you can change or whatever about about that and just having that knowing in yourself, I suppose, isn't it? 
Mary, that knowing yeah. that I can do something. So if we wing ourselves back down to the environment, what is it that you're changing? Um, I, I'm changing small things, and I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a member of Extinction Rebellion or anything, and I don't think you'll find me glued to a bus at any time soon. You never know; it's possible. Um, I'm more about small impact as an individual and as a member of a community. What can I actually do? So uh, I know that Bill Gates has been saying recently, you know, it's almost pointless for individuals to do things because what really will make the difference is reducing meat consumption and stopping the manufacture of concrete, for example, and cement. Well, I I have no role to play in that short of saying, okay, well, I'll never do a self-build and make it out of cement then. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I do in my day to day is that I I believe in active transport. I always have. I mean, I I wouldn't call myself an environmentalist, really. You know, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. have that capital E, but but I use my bike. And I, I decline to be treated like some kind of weirdo for cycling. And believe me, when you're a member of a small business community and you cycle to meet and you are treated like a bit of a weirdo, which I find in itself quite weird. Mm. So I might bike places. I might I might decline not to drive so often. I might, I'm, you know, thinking about reducing the amount of meat that we eat in this family. And maybe this just makes me sound like a complete liberal do-gooder, which is what my teenager calls me. You know, things like, uh, I'm not going to keep buying plastic bottles of shampoo. Yeah. You know, I'm going to buy a refill bottle. I don't buy bottles of water anymore. You know, just small things that I can actually affect. Mm -hmm. I think one of the most important things for me is to think differently about clothes. Yeah. And this is the thing that I, being a maybe not very typical woman, is I don't like shopping. I've never liked shopping. I've always found shopping for clothes very difficult. But I have definitely made the decision that I am only going to buy clothes that I actually need. Mm. Uh, I'm not going to, I, I feel morally that I can't support an industry where where clothes have become ultimately disposable. Yeah. You know, that I mean, this is making me sound like a real eco-warrior, which I'm not sure that I am exactly, but I just think... That's something that I can do and I can encourage other people to do it. And it's not about saying to them, you you, you can't just be going to Primark and buying new stuff mm-hmm. every weekend. By the way, that is actually what I'm saying. Yeah, which I think it's fair enough, yeah. Well, I think it's fair enough, but mm-hmm. lots of people don't. And that's maybe just because they're not at the age to have the wisdom to think, you know what, we can't, we just cannot keep filling the world up, the land, our landfill sites full of garments that we don't need. Uh-huh, and that somebody's been exploited to make as well, which exactly. I think is a bigger moral thing as well, isn't it, really, that you have to yeah, take exactly. into consideration. And what I really, I heard somebody say recently that drips of water created the Grand Canyon, and I thought that was lovely, and look what you're saying, you're doing your bit. If we all just do our bit, then it changes, doesn't it, Mary? The, the difference is, the difficulty is encouraging people to make change you know, quite a lot of us would like to do something, but we don't try very hard. And again, I come back to this thing of the time for chatting about this has to, it's got to change now. You know, even another degree on the temperature is going to mean ruination for our children. I don't know about you, Anne, but I would quite like to see my grandchildren. I I would quite like to think that they might have some kind of future in a world that's not flooding, burning, drowning, you know, Mm -hmm. people migrating huge distances because they're trying to get away from some terrible circumstance that the concrete makers of the world and the intensive farmers have forced upon us. Yeah, yeah. I'm sounding very very militant here. I need to get my placard out. So you set your stall out, didn't you, that you you do like being that rebellious character? So do you think that 
there's there's more of that in the future for you when it comes to the the environment. Do you think so, that you can see yourself becoming a bit more of an activist? Yeah, I mean, I would I would be cautious about using any ist word. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I probably would call myself a feminist, but um, I'm just a wee bit. I've always been a bit wary of labels. Yeah. As soon as you as soon as you attach a label to yourself or somebody else attaches a label to you, it's very difficult to. Mm-hmm. move away from that yeah. uh, but in short yes I can imagine that I might become more active mm-hmm. uh, much to the dismay of my teenager no doubt um, but that I may be the person that glues herself to a bus or or certainly makes more of a noise about the future Yes, you know because I think if there's one thing I do know is that if we're going to have a future we need to do something different and we need to do it really right not even really right it has to be done right away thank you so much for coming on the podcast with me mary so welcome and i wonder if i can get anybody else out with a placard (laughs) (laughs) or on a bike (laughs) get in touch with her (laughs) thanks so much mary Hello and thank you for joining me on this episode of What Do You Know For Sure podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can do that across social media by searching and Hughes Ignite. If I refer to my radio show and the podcast, you can catch those on my Mixcloud. Again, just searching and Hughes Ignite. And if you or anybody you know want to answer this question with me, please do get in touch. Just go onto my website, anhughesignite.co.uk and fill in the contact page at the bottom and I'll be delighted to have this conversation with you too. Thank you.